Hey guys, welcome to the Simple Power Podcast. I'm your host, Duke Lamastra, and I'm really grateful that you're choosing to join me for this week's discussion. And uh, everything that we talk about on this program, it's really dedicated to helping you experience the presence and the power of God in your personal life in practical ways. And uh, if you're interested in more resources related to that, if you're interested in going deeper in your relationship with God in this area of experiencing His presence and His power, I just want to invite you to check out my online media platform, Simple Power Media. You can check it out at simplepowermedia.com and you'll find all kinds of free resources and some training and some different things there that will just help you go deeper in this area for your personal life, for your ministry, for whatever it is that God has called you to, for experiencing his presence and his power. So you can check all of that out at simplepowermedia.com. All right, so let's jump right into this. Uh, For this week's discussion, I wanted to talk about a story that really fascinates me, the story of Gideon. And I just want to look at sort of the beginning of that story. You'll find the story of Gideon in Judges chapters 6, 7, and 8. But we're going to spend all of our time in Judges chapter 6 and uh, just want to pull some things out here. And what's really just sort of on my heart this week, the fact that God called Gideon and actually raised him up to be a deliverer of his people, when Gideon wasn't in that mindset of of becoming a deliverer, he definitely wasn't ready for it. He definitely wasn't expecting it. It definitely wasn't what the nation of Israel was expecting when they were crying out to God for a deliverer. Like their first choice would not have been Gideon. Their 50th choice wouldn't have been Gideon. Like it just wasn't in the cards. They, sometimes God will, well, very often, actually, God will raise up people and he'll work through people that don't have it all together, that have that are rough around the edges and Right, It's not always the way that we would expect it to be, but God is so good and he's so faithful and he can work through you, he can work through me, he can work through anybody that he wants in spite of where we're from or where we grew up or what limitations we've experienced in the past. So my question is, what happens when God chooses you to deliver his people? What happens when God actually chooses you to be the solution? to the problems that you're facing. And, you know, if we look around us right now, I don't have to mention anything for those of you who live in the United States. And even for those of you who don't, I'm sure you, you, you know, you've probably probably aware of a lot of the stuff that's gone on in this nation uh, just over the past few weeks. But even deeper than that, we've all been touched this year by a lot of the same issues and conflicts and problems. And whatever nation you're from, I know that there's people that listen to this from, from all around the world. And I appreciate you guys so much for tuning in. It's just amazing to me that this goes out and, and, and can have an impact on, on people that are just beyond where I live. It's, it's amazing to me. So thank you so much for being here. I know wherever you are, whatever nation you're in, whatever city you live in, there's issues there. There's problems there. And we all have life, right? We all have issues and problems and conflicts and different things that go on in our lives. And I think that so often we can get into this headspace where we can get into complaining, we can get into pity parties, we can get into looking at the problems and the limitations and the conflicts and all these different things. And of course, we want a solution. We want God to move. We want God to do different things. Of course, absolutely. But so often I think that God is like, hey, look, the solution is actually right there. The solution is right there in front of you. So many times you are the solution that you're looking for. And what's always the case is that the Bible, that this book, the Bible has every solution that we need. And in fact, Jesus, through his death and his burial and his resurrection, he accomplished everything for us that we will ever need. 
everything we will ever need. He's not coming to make another sacrifice. He's not coming to raise up another deliverer. Like he's already done it. He's already done it. Isaiah 60 verse 1, arise, shine, for your light has come, past tense, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. There's not another light coming. We don't need to be looking for another light. The solution is within you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so I think that so often we're just, in our minds, we're we're looking at other people. We're looking for a way out. We're looking for a a solution. We're looking for a breakthrough. And God is a God of breakthrough. Yeah, I get that. But so often... I just think that God is bringing us back to the simplicity of his word, number one, of his finished works on the cross. And so often I really think that the result of it, that the actual uh, outworking of it is very, very close to home in terms of the solution. You know, so often the solution to the problem that you're facing is right there in front of you. So often the solution that you're facing is actually contained within a promise that he's given to you. So often the the problem that you're going through, the solution to the problem that you're going through, so often it's contained within the life of somebody close to you that you know, but for familiarity, you haven't been able to see it. And, and, And I wish I had time this week to get into familiarity. Maybe I'll come back to that next week. But what I mean by that is in Judges chapter six, we see the nation of Israel in this constant struggle, you know, this back and forth thing where they rebel against God and they go off, they do their own thing and they get into trouble and then they cry out for a deliverer and God raises up a deliverer and sets them free. And then when everything goes back to normal, they forget all about God again. And then more conflict comes and then they cry out to God again. And it's just over and over again. And when we get to Judges chapter six, that's what's going on. The nation is in this state of uh, just turmoil. They can't do anything. They can't advance because every time they build something up an, an enemy nation comes in and tears it down. You know, they, they acquire food, sustenance, you know, whether it's produce, livestock, grain, and then the Midianites or the Amalekites or some other nation comes in and just steals it away from them. And it's like, you know, you take, you take a step forward and then two steps back. And it was just this, this state of living. They were out hiding. They were in hiding. This is the nation of God's chosen people hiding in caves, living in dens for fear of their lives. You know, when we start talking about Gideon, when we get into, into uh, verse 11 of Judges chapter 6, he's threshing wheat, but he's doing it in a wine press because he has to hide it from the Midianites because he doesn't want them to see what he's doing because they'll just come and they'll steal it. This is what's going on. This is the state of the people of God. And so often as the people of God, I think we're living with less than the fullness of what Jesus died to secure for us. And so often it's not because, you know, we would think, oh, well, it's because I have this problem. It's because of this outward circumstance. And so often it's not. So often it's a mindset issue. So often it's a matter of just not being aware of what we have available to us. And I do it too. So I'm not pointing my finger at anybody out there. Trust me. But it's like so often I think we're looking at external circumstances and trying to like get something else to come in. It's like, God, I just need more faith. God, I just need more of this. And he's like, no, you actually don't. Because it's already in you, because I'm in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Arise, shine, for your light has come, right? Now, I'm not saying that God will never send somebody out of nowhere to help you. I'm not saying that God won't send breakthrough. I'm not saying any of that. But what I'm saying is we can get into this victimized sort of mentality 
where we think that we're at some kind of disadvantage because of what's going on around us. And it's simply not true because what's available to you as a child of the most high God, remember you are royalty. You are a member of the royal family of the household of God. That is who you are. And so I know I'm kind of jumping all over the place in the story already. It wasn't my intention, but like when we first meet Gideon and we get into uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 12, this, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and he's like, you mighty man of valor. But like definitely at this point in his life, he's not looking at himself like he's a mighty man of valor. He's not looking at himself that way at all. And, we'll, uh, and I will read that verse to you in just a minute where you get the picture of how Gideon felt about himself and the excuses that he was allowing to be there and to govern his life. But God's calling him out like you are a mighty man of valor. Whatever you've gone through, you know, like I don't care how long you've been a Christian. If you've been a Christian for like a day or 60 years, I don't care what kind of family you grew up in. You know, if you've got, I think it's fantastic when when we look at people that are that are in ministry that have generations of ministers in their family, you know, generations of people that have had their lives sold out to God. I don't care. You know, if you're there, that's awesome. But also if you're first generation and you're the only one in your family that's serving the Lord, that's awesome too, right? And so wherever you are, whatever your situation is, whatever your circumstances are, look, if your business was ravaged by coronavirus this year, or if you were in a place of prosperity like you've never seen before, wherever you are right now, don't allow it to be an excuse and don't allow the limitations of your circumstances and your surroundings or your relationships or your wallet or whatever those limitations are to stop you, to stagnate you, to hold you back. Look, don't be like the people were. You're a child of God. Don't be dwelling in caves and in dens and threshing your wheat in the wine press because you're afraid of your enemy coming in to steal what, you, what you've been given. Don't be like that. We can't live like that because we have access to the fullness of God's presence and his power and his peace and the abundance of his grace and his mercy. Like we have access to him. He lives on the inside of us. And so I'm, all, I'm, all I'm doing here is I'm dealing with the mindset of living with this expectation of it always has to be this external thing that comes in to save me where no, sometimes God is actually looking at you and you are the solution. Now, Jesus is always the solution. I'm not saying that it's not Jesus, but I'm saying Christ in you, the hope of glory, and recognizing that we have access to his word. We have access to his presence. We have access to his power, access to him. We have access to the Holy Spirit. We have access to everything that we will ever need and everything that we will ever need was already secured by Jesus through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection. The Bible really does contain all the answers that we need. The challenge is, the challenge is that so often I think we just aren't, we're just not um, in the same headspace as God. In other words, we don't believe what God says. (laughs) That's it. Like in, in Hebrews chapters three and four, when you look at the last couple of verses of Hebrews chapter three and you read into Hebrews chapter four, we see that this struggle that the people of God had forever was this struggle of unbelief. He said they weren't able to enter into the Lord's rest because of their unbelief. They weren't able to enter in because of their unbelief. And then in, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter four, I think it's, it's either verse two or verse three. Um, 
I should have written down. I apologize for that. But at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 4, they're like, look, they heard the word of God, but it didn't profit them anything because it wasn't mixed with faith. Look, when you don't join your faith to the word of God, it doesn't do anything for you. Nothing happens. God can give you, you can get prophecy after prophecy. You can read the Bible until the cows come home. But look, if you're not joining your faith to it, if you're not believing what it's saying, then it's really not going to do anything for you. Maybe it'll do something. I don't know. But it's like you're not going to get it. You're not going to get the fullness of it. You're not going to get to experience what God has for you if you're not joining your faith to it and your belief to it. We've got to believe. Unbelief will keep you stagnated. Unbelief will keep you from experiencing what God has for you and what he's accomplished for you. My favorite verse is uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. One of my favorite verses anyway. As you have received Christ, so walk in him. We've received Christ. We've received his salvation. Praise God for that. We've received eternal life. Praise God for that. But now we actually have to walk in him. We actually have to join our faith to what he's promised us. We actually have to get into this book to find out what he's promised us. We actually need to seek his face to find out what he's saying. We need to get into his presence and find out what, what it's really about, what he's doing in our lives and what's really available to us. We, we need to discover Jesus. We need to discover him so that we can walk in him. You will only walk in him to the extent that you believe in him. I'm going to say that again. I might say it in a different way, but I'm going to say it again. You will only walk in the fullness of of his promises, of his victory, of his finished works on the cross to the extent that you believe in him, to the extent that you believe what this book, this Bible says to you, to the extent that you believe his promises for you. And so did I read verse 13? I don't think I read anything yet. I think I've just been talking. But um, yeah, let me read verse 13 because the angel comes and he's like, you mighty man of valor, And so Gideon answers and he's like, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. So that's where Gideon's at. (laughs) The, The mighty man of valor, Gideon, that's where he's at in this moment. He's like, where has God been? I mean, I've heard the stories. I've heard about how, you know, he parted the Red Sea and he delivered our forefathers from from Egypt. I've heard these stories. I've heard the stories from the fathers, but I'm not seeing it. Where are we now? You know, it's it's the same question that so many people have. If God is so good, why are there so many problems? If God is so good, why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Like all this stuff, right? And so that's where Gideon's mind is. He's like, God's delivered us into the hands of our enemies. Why should I trust him? Right? And so that's where Gideon's at. Mighty man of valor, Gideon, he's in a pity party. He's complaining. He's making excuses. He's playing the blame game. He's pointing the finger. Verse 14, then (laughs) the Lord turned to him. It's amazing. Uh, It's so fascinating to me. Gideon is here complaining against God, blaming God for their problems. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? It's amazing. Go in this might of yours. What might? <laughs> what might are you talking about, Lord? He was just complaining and actually bad-mouthing. Like he was talking about God. God's okay if you're, you know, you, you've got some rough edges. You're rough around the edges. You don't have it all together. You're not perfect. Trust me, neither am I. 
I'm so grateful that God doesn't wait until we're perfect to start working with us. I'm so grateful that he doesn't wait until all of our issues and all of our problems and all of our bad attitudes and wrong thinking, that it's all out of the way before he can start using us and working in us. I'm so grateful for that. He wants to work through you now as you are now. Again, I don't care if you've been saved for a day or 50 years. He's in you. His spirit is in you. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Get up. Let your light shine. Let your light so shine before men, Jesus says, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's not about you. It's about him. It's always been about him. When you get up and you shine the light of Jesus who lives inside of you, how do you do that? I don't know. You do that by sometimes it's laying your hands on the sick. Sometimes it's just telling someone that Jesus loves them. Sometimes it's just modeling and demonstrating what it looks like to follow God. Sometimes it just looks like you being yourself at work and when everybody else is going crazy and you're maintaining your peace and people see that without you even realizing it. You know, sometimes it's just you loving your kids the right way, loving your spouse, being a good friend, being a good son or daughter or mother, father, aunt, uncle, grandparent, whatever. It's just you being you. But when you live the way he's called you to live, And then you look for those opportunities in life to say, okay, God, what are you saying? What are you doing here? What would you have me do here? And you just simply respond in that simple obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Like this is actually not complicated. It's actually not. When we don't overcomplicate it and we just live our lives according to the standard that he set before us in his word and to the leading of his Holy Spirit, then it all, it clicks. You know, it it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It's okay, Gideon definitely was not perfect, but God was looking beyond his imperfections to that mighty man of valor that he had created him to be. And God sees you for the man of God or the woman of God that he created you to be. He doesn't, he's not looking at you and treating you on the basis of your problems and your limitations and your past failures and what other people think about you and say about you and all this kind of stuff. He is looking at you and he's treating you and he's responding to you based on who he created you to be, which is who you really are. So Gideon, he's like, oh my Lord, verse 15, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. So now Gideon is looking down on himself. He's like, well, just look at it. I'm from Manasseh. That's the smallest tribe. We're the weakest clan. You're not a weak clan. Whoever told you you were a weak clan? You're not a weak clan just because you're the smallest one. That doesn't make you weak. Like, well, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the least in my family. But he's looking at himself and he's allowing these things to be excuses. Well, I'm the youngest. I'm the weakest. My clan, my tribe is the weakest. Like, shut up, dude. Get over yourself because it's not about you anyway. You know, sometimes you just got to shut up <laughs> and recognize that it's not about you. Right? And so I talked about unbelief a second ago. Sometimes the problem is that we don't believe in God. But the next problem that a lot of times we have is that we don't believe in ourselves. The problem actually is that you're not believing in the God in you because it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So look, here's my advice. If you don't believe in you, then just believe in the Christ in you and do it anyway. I don't know. That just felt good to say. I'm going to say it again. If you don't believe in you, then believe in the Christ in you and do it anyway.
So again, Gideon's looking at himself. He's looking at his family. He's looking at his position. He's looking at his whatever he's looking at. And he just begins to make these excuses. Like, I can't do this. I'm not the deliverer that Israel's looking for. I'm not the one. I can't do this. Blah, 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 blah. Now look at verse 16. The Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites, listen to this, as one man. Come on, somebody. One man. You'll defeat the Midianites as one man. What that tells me is that limitations don't mean anything. Limit Your limitations, however big they may seem to you, they don't mean anything. Because when God says something, when God speaks, the simple fact that he said it, means that it actually just became possible. Like it might be impossible. (laughs) It might be impossible for me to do some of the things that I want to do in my life. But the minute that God spoke it and he said, this is what I've called you to do, it just became possible. So I no longer have that luxury of saying, well, God, I have this limitation and I don't have this. And look at the family that I came from and look at my problems and look at my bank account and look at what the people have done to me and the limitations that people have put on me. Look how many times I failed in the past and all these different things and all these different excuses that we all do, that we all make. When God says something, the simple fact that he said it, it means that it just became possible. So let me just help you for a moment here. The moment God told you to do that thing that scares you because in your mind it's an impossibility, as soon as God said it, it is no longer impossible. It is actually already a done deal because from the moment that God said it, it was already done. And the simple fact that he said it contained within that word, contained within that promise is the full capacity of everything that's needed, the power of God that's needed in order to carry that thing out. So look, I get it. I really get it. I get it. I get that there's problems in our lives. I get that there's problems in the world around us. I get that there's problems in our nations and in our cities. I really get it. But look, arise, shine, for your light has come. We're not looking for another light. Jesus is the light and he lives in you and he lives in me and he lives in that Christian neighbor of yours that you completely disagree with, right? There's been a lot of this going on lately. You you call yourself a Christian because of this and how can you say you're a Christian if you believe this and these political agendas and, and all these things, there's so much arguing and backbiting and tearing each other down. There's so much conflict. We're like fighting each other. We're fighting each other. Do you realize fighting each other, fighting against your brothers and sisters in Christ, fighting against your neighbor, fighting against your neighbor, even the neighbor that's not a Christian, the neighbor that doesn't know the Lord, the neighbor that has a political view that just turns your stomach upside down, the neighbor that has that opinion about God or about the church or or whatever that just, it, it, it angers you. You know, that neighbor that is of a different religion or whatever the case may be, like, When we look at our neighbors and we turn the fight against our neighbors, remember our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers and the forces of darkness in heavenly places. And they're they're very content to uh, see the people of God turning our violence against each other and turning our threats and our accusations against each other when what we're supposed to be doing is tearing down strongholds through the words of our mouth, through our declaration, through our agreement with scripture, through our agreement with the word of God. I mean, it's really simple. Jesus was like, they'll know that you're my disciples. How? By your love for one another. So our power, our power comes from loving Jesus and 
loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Within you is the power of God, the ability of God to accomplish the impossible. Those things that God has promised you, those things that God has said to you, stand in faith, recognizing that he's faithful, that he's good, that he's not going to leave you, he's not going to forsake you. He's with you every step of the way. And the reality is that Christ in you is the hope of glory. So stand fast in that hope, in that security, that God is faithful. And we just simply stand in agreement with his word, with his promise. And nothing is impossible. All right. Well, that will do it for episode number 70. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this and for just making this possible. It really means the world to me that you're here. Uh, If you would, share this with somebody that you think could benefit from it as well. And as always, look forward to being back with you next time. See you then.